highest of heights to the depths of the sea. Verse 29, And King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar. And then Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go and strike him down. And think of what this must be for a young king to be issuing these kinds of things. And yet David told him, You've got to be careful of these guys. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Joab supported Adonijah in his treasonous attempt to gain David's throne. Now he imitated Adonijah's attempt to find refuge by taking hold of the horns of the altar, as Adonijah did. Although it was almost a universal custom in the ancient world to find sanctuary at the holy altar, Solomon knew that this ancient custom was not used in Israel to protect a guilty man. Exodus 21 verse 14 says, But if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Since Joab refused to leave, Solomon had him executed right at the altar. Now let's join Pastor Rob. I asked one petition of you, do not deny me. And she said, say it. And, she, and he said, please ask, speak to King Solomon for he will not refuse you, that he may give to me Abishag, the Shunammite, his wife. And so Bathsheba said, very well, I'll speak for you to the king. So Bathsheba, we, we remember what happened, right? She goes in, basically, I'm just going to paraphrase because we've already read this. She goes before the king, and he bows, and, and, and he, she basically tells King David that Adonijah wants Abishag, the Shunammite, to, to be wife, his wife. Now, Remember that Abishag was the young girl, the virgin girl, when David was really old. It tells us this in the first chapter, if you weren't here last week, that David was really old and he just couldn't keep warm. And so they searched out, and this was common in those times. It wasn't like he was having intimacy with her at all. It had nothing to do with that. He was an old man and she was there just to keep him warm at night. And she would tend to his needs, take care of his feet, and you know, you know, rub his feet to get circulation, that kind of stuff. She was basically an aide to him. But now Adonijah wants her to be his wife, which is kind of a problem. <laughs> so King Solomon answers, says, you know. You know, why don't you ask him for the king? Ask uh, for him the kingdom as well, for he's my older brother, and also for Abiathar the priest and Joab, all the enemies who were against me. Why don't you just, you know, Solomon's not very happy, and so therefore, as the Lord lives, he basically says this man's going to be put to death today. And so, obviously, Solomon took this request of Bathsheba's, which was really Adonijah's request, as a claim to the throne. As a claim to the throne, by asking to have Abishag, the Shunammite, as his wife, was basically asking for, um, showed that this man, he wanted to make a claim on the throne. And this idea isn't new at all. You might want to write in your margin Second Samuel chapter 3, 
verses 6 through 10. Again, 2 Samuel 3, verses 6 through 10. You can read this, but basically it looks like this. Now it was so, while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, and this is after Saul's death, by the way, that Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul, and Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, and so Ishbosheth, who was now the king in his father Saul's place, said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? And then Abner became very angry at the words of Ishbosheth because it created this. Ishbosheth knew what that meant. That means that Joab, the general of the army, he's thinking to himself, Joab is thinking that he ought to be on the throne. But I'm on the throne. And by going into his, his dad's, Saul's concubine, by going in unto her, he's basically making a claim on the throne. That's a big deal. And that's exactly what Adonijah was doing here. And that's why Solomon responded the way he did. And so King Solomon, verse 25, he sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down and he died. That's it. Killed him. Not only for his treachery. You know, I think Solomon realized at this point that things weren't going to change with this man. He told him originally to go to your house and you better be careful. And then what does he do? He goes into the king, the king's mother, and gets her to tell Solomon, hey, can I have dad's you know, wife as you know, Abishag? And, 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 and Solomon's, you know, he's got that blood pressure cuff on him and it just blew up at that point, right? It just blew up. So... So verse 26, and that wasn't all. So Adonijah received his death sentence. And to Abiathar the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth. And this is about three miles northeast of Jerusalem. He says, Go to Anathoth, to your own fields, for you are deserving of death. But I will not put you to death. At this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted, And Abiathar was a loyal man to David. But here when Adonijah came to his own, um, when he wanted to be king, uh, this priest, Abiathar, uh, went with him. And so he was worthy of death for, for treason, for treachery. But again, Solomon, being a man of mercy, he says, you're not going to be put to death, but I want you to go home and I'm going to replace you. And, um, and here was Abiathar's treachery. Um, it, it was all in the first chapter of this book that we read. In verses 5 through 7 of chapter 1, it says, Adonijah, the son of Haggadith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And, and it goes on in verse 7. It says, Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and with Abiathar, the priest. And they followed and helped Adonijah. Now you can see where the treachery is, right? And also in chapter 1 of verse 24, says the, basically the same thing, um, that he went to that, that big party that Adonijah was having to basically call himself king. And, and Abiathar was there along with Joab. And so Solomon, verse 27, removed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spake concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. Now you may be wondering, what is this word of, that was spoken 
concerning Eli at Shiloh. Remember back in the very early verses of 1 Samuel, um, Eli was the high priest in Shiloh. And that was where uh, Samuel came as a very young man. I'm talking like really young, like four, five, six, seven years old. He came and he started to minister at the temple there, or at the tabernacle, excuse me. But it was during that time because Shiloh, or because Eli, the priest, was such a uh, compromised man, and so were his sons, that a man of God came to speak to Eli, and he basically prophesied that his descendants, that they would be, they would be cut off, basically. And let me just give you the verse. We, we don't have time to go there tonight, but check out 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 27 through 36. 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 27 through 36, and you'll see why this was such a big deal, because Abiathar was a descendant of Eli. He was a descendant of Eli. And, um, and so Zadok, the other high priest, would ultimately be a king in his stead. Because remember, Aaron the priest had four sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Well, Nadab and Abihu were consumed by fire, remember? And then there was Eleazar and Abithamar. Or Ithamar, I'm sorry. And um, Eleazar was the, supposed to be the high priest. But for some reason, in the first part of Samuel, we see that Abiathar is priest. And he, he, he's a descendant of, uh, of Ithamar. And so when he was removed from being priest, the rightful a descendant from Eleazar, who was Zadok, he would be the one to be put in Abiathar's place. And so, but you can check that out in uh, in First Samuel chapter uh, two, verse twenty-seven through thirty-six. So going on here in verse 28, it says, Then news came to Joab, for Joab had defected to Adonijah, though he had not defected to Absalom. And so Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. This is kind of a funny thing for us, because when somebody took hold of the altar, the horns of the altar, basically what they were doing is pleading for their life and asking for mercy. And you can write again in your Bible, off to the margin, Exodus chapter 21. Uh, verses 12 through 14. And this is really uh, what the law said concerning those um, who had done violence. Notice what it says. It's not too good for the guy who did this. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. However, if he did not lie in wait, but God delivered him into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place where he may flee. But if a man acts with premeditation, and this is what um, he did, this is what um, he did, he acted in premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery. You shall take him from my altar that he may die. In other words, it's assuming that he's going to go up to the altar and plead for mercy, but he says, take it, pry his hands off and kill him <laughs> because of what he's done. And, and that was uh, the way they did things. And I bet the crime rate was pretty low back then. <laughs> but anyway... Verse 29, And King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar. And then Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go and strike him down. And think of what this must be for a young king to be issuing these kinds of things. And yet David told him, You've got to be careful of these guys. You know? And, and, and now Solomon, he's not afraid. He's just filled with the Spirit of God. 
He's just he's not afraid to execute judgment where it needs to go. And so, um, so Benaniah went to the tabernacle of the Lord and uh, said to him, Thus says the king, Come out. And he said, No, but I will die here. And Benaiah brought back word to the king, saying, Thus says Joab, and thus he answered me. And the king says, Well, do as he said, and strike him down and bury him, that he may take away from me and from the house of my father the innocent blood which Joab shed. And so the Lord will return his blood on his head, because he struck down two men more righteous and better than he, and he killed them with the sword, Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa, the son of Jether, the commander of the army of Judah, though my father David did not know it. And so he tells Benaiah, go and kill him and take care of business. And he says, their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his descendants forever. But upon David and his descendants, upon his house and his throne, there shall be peace forever from the Lord. And I love that. Isn't that what you want to? Peace forever from the Lord. And you know, as believers in Jesus Christ, the enmity of our sin has been taken care of on the cross. We no longer have to face God as judge. We face him as a friend. We face him as a servant. We face him as the bride of Christ. And with all the grace and all the love and all of that 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 affords. And I don't know about you, I'm I'm glad to be on this side of things. Aren't you glad? Because the Lord loves you. He loves you. He's insanely in love with all of you. And I love that. He's done so much for us. So, Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, went up and struck and killed him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. Verse 35, the king put Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, in his place over the army, and the king put Zadok, the priest, in the place of Abiathar. That's a big deal, because that has been something that, that, that God made sure to correct, because it was always the line of Eleazar that was to rule. And for some reason, when Eli was the high priest, back in the first chapters of First Samuel again, it was Abiathar, who was um, you know, um, a descendant of Ithamar. Actually, I think I got that mixed up, but you, you'll see it. <laughs> so notice now, things are, are, are slowly getting into order. And then it says in verse 36, that Then the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and dwell there, and do not go out from there anywhere. So he basically puts him in house arrest. He doesn't put him to death. But remember David, what David told him. He says, you know, find an occasion. This guy is not, he's got, there's nothing good about this guy. Even though he confessed to me and he, you know, crocodile tears, I get it, but there's something not right. And David, in his own heart, has such a great discernment and a suspicion about this guy. He says, Solomon, you better be careful of that guy. And so Solomon says, he doesn't put him to death. You notice what Solomon did? He gives him, he puts him under house arrest and he gives some conditions. He says, For it shall be, verse 37, on the day that you go out and you cross the brook Kidron, know for certain you shall surely die. So you got to stay in that house. And if we catch you outside of your house, you're going to die. You're under house arrest. You break that and you're going to die. And so in Shimei, I said to the king, The saying is good. As my lord the king has said, so your servant will do. And so Shimei dwelt in Jerusalem many days. Now it happened at the end of three years that two slaves of Shimei ran away to Achish, the son of Maacah, the king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Look, your slaves are in Gath. So Shimei, forgetting all about the command from Solomon, thinks, Well, certainly this thing is past now. Certainly I can at least go out to Dunkin' Donuts and get a coffee. 
Shimei arose, he saddled his donkey, and he went to Achish at Gath to seek his slaves. And Shimei went and brought his slaves from Gath. And Solomon was told that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had come back. And the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and warn you, saying, Know for certain that on the day you go out and travel anywhere, you shall surely die? And you said to me, the word that I have spoken is good. Remember that, Shimei? Uh, I don't know. I guess so. Well, we've got a recording of it. You want to hear it? I got it on my iPhone. Let me play it back for you. Remember what you said? Here, I'm just going to play it for you. That sounds like a good plan, Solomon. Thank you for your grace. Click. Do you remember saying that? Yeah, that's what you said. Hmm. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I gave you? And at this point, you can see Shimei's pupils start to get really kind of dilated. And the king said, moreover, to Shimei, You know, as your heart acknowledges all the wickedness that you did to my father David. And again, this is going back to when he, he, he basically cursed David and his family as he left Jerusalem. And he says, you know, as you're hearting all the wickedness that you did to my dad, therefore the Lord will return your wickedness on your own head. But King Solomon should be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. Now, why did he say this to him? Why did Solomon say, but King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever? Why did he say that? Write this scripture reference down, right at this verse, 2 Samuel 16 verses 7 and 8, because this is what Shimei said to David as he was leaving in exile. This is the curse that Shimei had placed on David. It says that Shimei said thus when he cursed, Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. That's what he said. And it couldn't be further from the truth. And so now God has basically turned that whole thing around of, of, of this curse that Shimei had placed on David. And then Solomon says to Shimei, but guess what? King Solomon shall be blessed and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. Not diminished and gotten rid of like you think. No, it's going to be established forever. So, verse 46, So the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, this was now, this man, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, he is now in the place of Joab, who used to be David's general of his army. And now he is dead, and now Benaiah is in that place. And so the king Solomon commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and he struck him down, and he died. And thus the kingdom was established in the hand of of Solomon. Again, I bring this uh, verse up to you in Galatians. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And you know, as you read, as we've read this tonight and looked at it, and you think about how the lives of these men could have been so different if they had just done the right thing, if they hadn't been the way that they were. You know, and it really, 
brings, it comes into focus for us tonight. You know, seek to live a life without regrets and, and, and live a life above reproach that there would be no accounting or no accounts that need to be rectified at any time. That every night when you go to sleep, you can confess the sins that you've committed that day. And if you don't remember what they are, that's okay. But, you know, confess everything that you know and have your accounts clear before God. And if you've got something against somebody else, then go make it right with them. Don't let days go by and your anger and your frustration to fester. And this happens in families and relationships all the time. Why do we do it? Because of our pride and self-centeredness. Go get it right. Get it right. Tonight. Tomorrow. Get it right. And therefore you will, you'll be clean. Your, your slate will be clean. See, Joab and Shimei and Adonijah, they didn't have clean slates. There was a lot of blood, a lot of treachery on their plates that they never got right. So seek to live a life of no regrets and do the right and honorable thing, even at great sacrifice, and God will reward you for it. He will. He'll reward you for doing the right thing, even when it hurts, even when it's a sacrifice to you, Even if the other person doesn't reciprocate, it's always important to go and try to make peace. Because God's not going to, you know, you can only do so much. Like, right, the the old phrase, it takes two to tango. If one person doesn't want to tango, tango ain't happening. But if you go to tango and you go to say, you know what, I'm sorry, God looks at you and says, you know what? Your slate is clean, even if they don't forgive you. Even if they respond meanly to you and they want nothing to do with you, I'm going to reward you for what you did to try to reach out an olive branch to them and try to make amends. You know, let's be people that do that. Let's not let that die in the Christian church. And start at home. Start with your own spouse tonight, with people under your own roof, and do that today. Do that tomorrow and get everything in the open. Say you're sorry for things that have happened. That we can live a life without regrets. Unlike these men whom Solomon had to ultimately get rid of because of their treachery, because of their sin, unrepented sin. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you for the example of of your word, Lord, and Lord, how it really challenges us and changes us. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to change us, Lord. Would you please, Lord, just minister to our hearts tonight. And Lord, help us to be forgiving and loving to one another, Lord. To reach out and to get our accounts in order with people. And not allow any longer, Lord, the festering, Lord, the anger built up, the unforgiveness, the all of this ugliness. Lord, may we be first to go forward and try to reconcile. Lord, would you do that work in us, Lord? And thank you again for just meeting us here tonight, Lord. What a blessing it is. We love you and we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.